Eleanor Winter never saw the coupé. An immaculate 1931 Bentley, in racing green livery, pull out onto the road some eighty yards up the hill. But then she had not seen the young man, scarcely more than a boy, who had stepped out onto the pavement the moment she emerged from the main entrance of the Royal Free Hospital and raised his hat as if he was waving to attract a friend or relation's attention. Eleanor was still distracted by her recent meeting with Maxwell Knight. The nerve of the man! Forgive me, he had said, with that false smile licking at his lips. With the coming of the war, one must make common cause with unlikely, uh, bedfellows. Max wanted to make his peace with Guy, as if her husband would ever make his peace with anything other than a bottle. If they knew Guy Winter like she knew him, nobody at the section would think of letting him back into the fold. If the mystery man's touch had ever been remotely magical, if his mind had once been brilliant, razor-edged, if he had ever been half the man Fleet Street said he was, that was all in an increasingly distant past. Now the depressions came and went with the nightmares. He had become a stranger to the two people who cared most for him. She and her daughter now lived with the often drink-sodden shell of the great detective. Rejoining the section had been her escape from the disaster of her marriage, and now even that was being taken from her. She felt bitter, cheated, spurned, and no matter how she tried to compose herself, she was still burning with righteous anger. Eleanor had done her best to veil her churning emotions while she had been at the bedside of her neighbour. Gwendolyn Parsons was a dear old lady. Her husband, a naval officer, had been killed in one of the early battles of the Great War, and thereafter she had lived in gracious decline for over twenty years. Gwendolyn, now seventy-one, was frail, stoic, and aware that life was slipping through her fingers. She was not overly troubled by the knowledge. She was reconciled to the inevitability of her situation. Eleanor tried to visit her neighbour most days, if only briefly for Gwendolyn's attention wavered after a few minutes. This afternoon, the old lady had drifted in and out of sleep. Eleanor's outrage, contained while she was at Gwendolyn's bedside, had reignited with a fulminating fury almost the moment she departed the small, whitewashed, antiseptic, first-floor ward, in which her neighbour lay dying. It was as if all the unfairness of the world had suddenly fallen on her head. She would confront Guy. She would tell him everything her affairs, her loathing for him. Most of all, she would take immense pleasure informing him of the true dimensions of the perfidy of his so-called friends. She now knew that to Guy and his friends, she had never been anything other than that little whore from the back streets of Paris. They had even stolen her name from her. She had been born Sarah Bertrand. In the officer's brothel in Versailles, they styled her Sarah de Marchand. Only later had she become Eleanor Marchant, and eventually Eleanor Joan Winter, the ever-so-respectable wife of the great detective, the fiction that she was the daughter of a French army officer and a flighty scion of the English aristocracy, swept off her feet in a whirlwind romance halfway through a grand tour of Europe, was the invention of that pig Tyrell. Eleanor had stamped angrily across the yard towards the iron railings of the Pond Street gate of the Royal Free Hospital. She walked almost blindly until she very nearly collided with a young man who seemed to be wildly gesticulating to somebody with his hat. 
Eleanor took a very deep breath as she approached the main road. No, no, no. She could hardly confront her husband. Not today. He had been in one of his moods that morning, so he was likely to hide out at his club, Fortinoy's, for a day or two. Besides, the only thing she and Guy actually agreed about was presenting a united, duplicitous facade of marital harmony in front of Emily. But if she could not confront Guy, what could she do? It was with this maddening thought filling her head that she stepped off the pavement. She never saw the car hurtling towards her. The driver of the car did not attempt to brake or to swerve to avoid her. Eleanor Jane Winter's life was extinguished in a split second, ended before her broken, lifeless body rolled into the path of a black cab trundling up the road from the junction with Haverstock Road. Her conscious mind never had time to register what had happened. One moment there was outrage, 